Welcome, we're live. My name is Mike Crawford. I am the host of The Young Jerks, and we have a special guest again with us. Uh, we have John, uh, John Nathan uh, from Bay State Hemp Company. What's up, John? Hey, what's going on, man? Welcome. Are you? It uh, looks like you're enjoying yourself more than I am today. I'm trying to enjoy myself. I mean, it's the doors are shut. I, I have some other business ventures that I'm keeping running, but you know, no employees, everyone's home and paid. So it's just a one man show right now. Um, in terms of, you know, so yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to keep my, uh, head together these days, but it's tough for everybody. Yeah, I definitely, uh, for us, you know, we're, uh, I think everyone's dealing with big changes. Yeah, I mean, it's adjustments. It's just for me, it's, it's, I just hope that we can move back from it. You know what I mean? It's, it's the, the rebuilding period, which is where I have the most concern over right now. But, you know, we're a strong country. We've come back from worse and hopefully uh, we could pull together if everyone does the right thing and stays the fuck home. I could curse, right? Uh, it's better if you don't for iTunes and all that, because I don't yeah. know how to change the ratings. Yep, no problem. I, it, you know, iTunes won't blast you if you're listed as explicit but i don't know how to change it we're like general audience on our itunes i don't want to get in trouble even with cannabis Weird. content what is it even with cannabis content they don't label that as explicit no 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 we we you know we basically just said general audience because we mostly do politicians we're not like you know f-bomb and then yeah, 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 you absolutely. know we're not doing anything explicit so uh that's how we're labeled on itunes but i don't know how to ch i wish i had an option to change it for each episode you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for... mostly we're fine. We shouldn't come up on any blocks, but uh, yeah. Uh, again, we're with John uh, Nathan, Bay State Hemp Company. Um, you, you, so you've been in the vaping industry and uh, now the hemp industry. Tell us about your life story. How do? Because you have a very kind of interesting story. We've talked uh, offline quite a bit yeah. about it. Tell us about who you are, how you got here, what you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I actually come from the uh, IT industry prior to this. I was a network, network and uh, data center uh, analyst and engineer. Um, I moved to Massachusetts a few years ago to start my first company with my partner. Um, I am the largest craft manufacturer of e-liquid, which is a the, the liquid product that gets filled into the actual conventional vaping devices i'm one of the largest in new the england juice? is that what they call the yeah, juice? juice the juice i try not to use the word juice because for a couple reasons one yeah, i know right now <laughs> well it it, it it alludes to juice, children. something that children drink and right. then two it's also not juice you know what i mean and, yeah. and i think that you know that was somewhere that we fell along the wayside you know many ways when it comes to pr um so i, I we manufacture this liquid um we're the largest manufacturer in uh Massachusetts. We're not on any AG hit lists. We're not sold in the uh, convenience stores. You can't find us in the high schools, but we went down the same as Jewel. So I always like to create like a little differentiation between- When you say you're the largest manufacturer, you think you were bigger than Jewel in Massachusetts? No, no. The largest manufacturer in Massachusetts based inside Massachusetts. Oh, based. Okay. Terms. Yeah. Jewel is Silicon Valley tech seed money out in California. So yeah, yeah that that's flooding in. Um, and you, you so know, you're the biggest local, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. In New England, I would say in terms of manufacturing. How, how much how much did business, if you don't mind me asking, have you done, you think, on, on the on the nicotine liquid? Is that what you call it? Nicotine liquid? Say that again. 
Uh, yeah, uh, e-liquid. E-liquid, okay. That's what the FDA class. Yeah, e-liquid. Let's call it e-liquid. Let's make sure I'm not, if I am if I say anything wrong, because this isn't my usual place, just let me know and we'll Absolutely. correct me. Yeah, 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 not a problem. Good. And likewise, please. Um, the, uh, the, 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 so basically what we ba- uh, manufacture is mostly for the hobbyists, the craft, you know, uh, the smaller niche segment that gets wiped out. When people talk about vaping and, and the scourges of it, they're mostly talking to the 97% of the market that's dominated by big tobacco. They're not really talking about guys like me. We're, we're not the scourge of the industry, but when, when they broad strokes legislation comes in, we get hit alongside with it. Um, the United States is not a friendly uh, uh, place for tobacco harm reduction and smoking cessation. It just simply isn't unless you're a pharmaceutical outlet. They don't like a grassroots industry disrupting their cessation market. The Nicorette gum, the Chantix, the Wellbutrin, everything to get you off cigarettes is sold by pharma and everything to help you if you don't get off cigarettes, the cancer medications, the chemotherapy is provided by pharma. Pharma has such a strong grasp on healthcare in this industry that you see a lot of anti-vaping uh, sentiments here that you won't see in other countries like the United Kingdom, where doctors are promoting vaping on billboards and they're setting up vape shops in hospitals and in Canada, where their government website is telling you that it's better for you to switch. And it, and it, it makes you think when switch you look from at, smoking cigarettes. Yes, yes. I mean, this is harm reduction, Mike. Right. We're, not, we're not saying this is healthy and something everybody should start doing. But Public Health England released a 213 page comprehensive report called nicotine without smoke where they deemed it 95% if not greater for you than traditional smoking of cigarettes. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's funny to see where there's countries with socialized medicine where the governments have a vested interest in driving down their public health costs. They're embracing this, but in a country that doesn't have a, a, a uh, you know, a socialized medicine and it's a very private, uh, healthcare system and lots of campaign contributions and whatnot, then policy is guided by the powers that be and not by science, which we've seen time and time again. Um, the problem is, is you can't minimize the teen issue. The problem, the thing is, is it's just, it's not a broad stroke flavors of the problem. It's not a broad stroke. This is the problem. It needs a comprehensive plan. It needs to be sat down and looked at. And, uh, you know, I just don't think we're going to get that in the United States. Um, I, I, I support the industry. I, I still participate in it. Um, you know, it's, it's just Massachusetts came down hard on us. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a very insidious measure that they passed here. And uh, I, I fought that tooth and nail. And, uh, you know, we lost here, you know. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I, I want to pivot to what I'm doing in hemp a little bit. And, and I want to make sure that it's clear that, like, I'm not just going from vaping and taking the exact same business model ethos and ideas and putting that into the hemp industry. That's not something I'm looking to do. Um, you know, I don't see uh, uh, hemp and CBD as a cash crop. I see it as a commodity. I see it as medicine. I see it as something that helps people. Um, and, and really what it is, is I, I, I went through a couple different ideas of how I wanted to enter into the cannabis industry, how I want to enter into the hemp industry. I did lots of research, but I mean, for, okay, so I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm an addict in recovery, sort of. I, I got clean about a decade ago, um, and I was completely abstinent from all drugs and alcohol for six, seven years. 
And uh, I was in Massachusetts in 2016, and I, and I felt this heaviness inside of me. I don't want to say I was I was suicidal because I don't want to take away from people that were, but I didn't have a will to wake up. I didn't have a will to keep going, and absolutely everything external was going great. Um, and I didn't want to work with pharmaceuticals. I didn't trust the pharmaceutical industry, given what I do. Sure. So I went to Brockton. I went to a doctor with 10 years worth of medical history. I didn't want to do what I perceived at the time, a drug deal, because I had, remember, I came from hard drugs. So for well, me, when you say hard drugs, we're talking about heroin, right? Yeah, we're like, talking about heroin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get clean. So off. you like you were you were how long were you on that? The age? I'm, I'm, I don't have the, the gutsy story everybody has. It was like 1920. I, I toyed around and, and my life collapsed hard enough in, in the 15 combined months that, you know, I, I had to move past it. You were like me with alcohol. <laughs> that's, when, that's when I got in trouble with alcohol. And yeah, it's same same type of thing. It happens so fast. Some people crash faster than others, right? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just a bad criminal. I'm a bad liar. I'm a bad manipulator. So I just didn't do well at it. I needed a new career choice. So um, you know, I, I hit hard. My, my, my life came to a head really young at 1920. I, I made some changes and I found myself having to work through the stigma of putting something that was mind or mood altering back in my body. So for me, the availability of a medical program was paramount because I never would have tried cannabis given the programming that I needed to get off of the hard stuff. Um, and when I, when I started using cannabis, it, it was, it was instantly, I, I was able to sleep and I felt better, but I had to work with what worked for me. And I found, cause I was not a, I just like THC all day. It's just not who I am. I'm a very, very, very much full spectrum guy. And, and the way that cannabis became medicinal for me was through utilization of minor cannabinoids like CBN, CBN, not CBD, and CBG, and then also the incorporation of actually terpenes. So like beta carophylline, like smelling pepper, I needed that for my first few months of using cannabis because I had such a poor self-image at the time. I was not in a good place when I first started smoking cannabis. I was trying to alleviate some external stuff and, and I had to work through that. And in order for me to work through that, I needed to fine tune my cannabis experience so that I could stick with it and get to a point where, you know, everything was, was, you know, kosher with me. My, 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 so fast forward, what I'm doing here is the market right now for minor cannabinoids, the cannabinoids that helped me is astronomical. It is out of the reach of the common consumer. CBN, I mean, if you look at sleep issues, it's probably one of the number one ticking issues in America. Definitely. And I truly believe that CBN could be the key for a lot of people. The way I felt when I first took it, it was exactly what I was looking for. I love the cannabis high. I enjoy THC. Yeah, I, I, you know, do I use it recreationally? Absolutely. But for medicinal benefit, I needed access to CBN and I needed a lot of it. And at the time, there was only one dispensary in, in Massachusetts that sold it. Ermont had it and, and five little caps up in Quincy. And I used to drive up there every single week and then they cut it. And what I found was that there's a very short supply of, of CBN because traditionally the way that it's converted through the uh, cannabis market is from THC. 
So you take a look at Massachusetts, where there's a bottleneck on availability, there's a bottleneck on the amount of dispensaries, who's going to destroy the cash crop to produce for these niche, you know, uh, situations? Yeah, even CBD, I mean, think how popular CBD is. And usually it's one or two strains, and that's it. Like, yeah, and everything else is just a high THC strain. That's what we see at dispensaries right now. 100%. And and what I feel is, is that there's a way to completely circumvent the THC route. And you can, my, I basically am looking to convert CBG into CBN, take these minor cannabinoids, truly assess what it costs to make them and knock the bottom out on it and make it affordable and available for people. Because you can't in one breath tout this as amazing medicine and how great it is and how good it is for you and work that into your mission statement and then price it out of reach of 99% of America. So it, it's, it's, if your, your business ethics have to match your personal ethos, this, this plant legitimately saved my life. And I was in a position at the time that I could afford to find what I needed and hunt it out and drive and spend dispensary pricing. But anyone can cultivate this plant. When it comes to these cannabinoids, no one has a trademark on them. So if you want to compete in hemp, the way I see it is it needs to be on transparency and quality and in supply chain efficiency and customer service and, and niche craft products. Real, yeah, like real capitalism? <laughs> Instead of a rigged market? Yeah. Is that what you're talking I mean, about? It sounds like a real capitalism. Well, I mean, so- it, it's, it's, yeah. It, and, and the thing is, is everybody will call it a race to the bottom pricing or race to the bottom model. But when you're dealing with something that is being touted as, as, you know, natural medicine, it's a race to the people. That's what it is. You know what I mean? If you truly believe that this plan should be in the hands of, of everybody who needs it, like you can't justify the, the, and I'm not saying I'm coming here to blow the load off on every CBD company, but but in terms of these minor cannabinoids, they're, I, they need to be available to people. And, and I, I've seen it for 26,000, 22,000, 30,000 a kilogram of CBN. And I'm sorry, the process just is not that costly. This and is awesome. So, you, so, so you're producing this locally in Massachusetts. And with, you know, if it had THC in it, if it was like cannabis, you'd have to get a license, whether medical or recreational, you'd have to go through the whole state process. But with hemp, and all the, you know, these other can- cannabinoids that no one even knows anything about, oh, honestly. And I think there are definitely, I mean, we're finding out a lot more about CBG and CBN, what you're talking about. It definitely have some medical benefits and people are growing it like this. This is what you have right there, right? This so, is so you're doing this and you, you don't need a special license from the state. You have to have some you type do. of licensing, right? How does this work? I, I, well, I'm going through MDAR. The Department of Agricultural Resources oversees the industrial hemp program. Um, I, I've had my inspection. I'm, I'm flicking the lights on as soon as they give me the thumbs up. I've paid everything. Um, granted, COVID has us shut down, uh, given you know what's going on right now, and rightfully so. So it, it's right now is really just grind time, preparing SOPs, process, you know, doing the numbers, figuring out exactly how to execute on this. I'm, I'm ready to rock. And, and, you know, the other thing that made me really sick, and, and I don't mind if, if a hemp processor hears me say this, charging farmers 50% toll processing is predatory and gross. I am sorry. 
the way it works in this is these farmers are the ones putting blood, sweat, right. tears, labor, years of their life, their knees, right. their backs into the soil. And then some douchebag shows up. Oh, sorry. Some guy shows okay. up with a good amount of money and then brags about setting the market. What you're doing is ripping off small farmers. Work with them. I want to I want to get to a point where I, I can provide this entire state with seeds at a nonprofit because a thriving hemp market helps all of us. The more people growing this, the more farmers incentivized to grow this, the better they make, the more money they make, the more their yield brings them. You're going to see more competition on quality. Isn't that what we want? I love it. So, yeah, I want it. I've been dying for that. I've been asking for this for years. So it's funny we're going to do it in the hemp arena. Before it's, we do it in this uh, legal recreational market, it looks like in the medical market. It's, it's easier to do because there's less red tape here. You're, you're talking about an industrial product. I'm zoned in my town right now. In the eyes of the state, what I do is the same as cranberries in the eyes of the townships. So they, they, they can't shut down a hemp facility local preemption there. So there's no HCAs, there's no town meetings, there's no being referred to a council. You know, there's no joint committees. It's, it's just, you know, yes, there's a process to, and there's a way to do things right. And I'm not saying it's very easy. You could just drop a slip. I've been paying rent here since December and I'm still waiting to flick lights on. So, you know, and, and there's people in the cannabis arena waiting a year, two years, but there's so much more of a, a stifle when you're dealing with a federally illegal product. I hate the distinction between marijuana i don't use the word marijuana but the distinction between marijuana and hemp is ridiculous i know it's all it's, cannabis right it's, it's, it's all the high, same plant high cbd cannabis high cbg cannabis high thc cannabis you know like that, that it really is one plant it's all cannabis it is it's just the federal government has ruled that thc is different that the other thing with doing cbg and and this isn't this isn't groundbreaking lots of people are doing this all over the country but it helps with farmers that are worried about the total thc compliance aspect of the usda regulations so you you have this situation where if they grow a plant and it goes above 0.3% THC, traditionally they had to destroy the crop or get rid of it now there's talks about remediation and whatnot but what you're basically telling these farmers is don't do a good job because they don't have control over. Yeah, you can't control how much THC is going to be in there, right? Exactly. Right. Except with high CBG genetics. So with high CBG genetics, this is 13.57% CBG. And this isn't even the best out there. Like they're, they, they're breaking 20%, but it's 0.13% THC. So now these farmers can grow to the best of their ability and try new techniques and, and, and you know, efforts without worrying about having to destroy their crop for doing a good job. So, I so where did you grow that? What you just showed us, the CBG? This, where yeah, did you grow that? This I didn't grow. This was. Oh, you didn't grow. You got it from somewhere else? No, no. Yeah, this is in, this is in for testing and research. I got to grab the pounds of it. Um, cool. I've been using it personally. I want to try some of this myself. I want to. Yeah. So I, I started using CBG flour in the morning just for like, you know, an uplifting aura. Sometimes I cut it in with regular cannabis or, you know, sometimes I just puff on it throughout the day. Does it smell the same? I'm just wondering, is it uh, kind of same? So it's not as terpy, like in the jar. You know what I mean? It's not like, I don't know what the kids say, loud, or you know what I mean? Or yeah. whatever. <laughs> so it's not like in your face. There's no trichomes. It's not sticky, but they're quality buds. I, I, I can send you some out. 
Oh, um, I love it. Take a look at it. It's it's interesting now. You you can do the U.S. Postal with this? Is that is that yeah, illegal? You can send it U.S. Postal. Yeah, absolutely. This is unbelievable. New frontier. I love this. Yeah, USDA uh, when they legalized it, uh, the 2018 Farm Bill that uh, you know, good old Mitch McConnell signed for That's us. Right. So you can legally mail this right out to me, U.S. Post Office. I can pick it up. It's no worries from the government. You know, even if, you know, I saw some cops busted some hemp in New York City. You probably yeah. saw that story about the, that was insane, but they had to return it. It's the, well, the problem is, is they return it after it sits for three months in an evidence room and goes to. Sh- yeah, uh, and decomposes and, and yeah, degrades. Yeah, so it doesn't really help when they return it. Um, the That's thing is, is that, you know, there's, I, I had our, uh, the, uh, not the postmaster, but the local supervisor of my local post office, she came here and it was funny. She actually was holding this. I had an issue with the package and the supervisor decided to bring it to me. I said, Hey, can I open this in front of you and explain what you're holding? And she, I opened it up and there's two pounds of hemp flour with, you know, the proper markings. And I think what really matters is including COAs, putting proper verbiage and notes and whatnot. But I explained it to her and they're well-versed on it. There's, there's no issues on it. Um, you know, even in banking, they're starting to loosen the uh, regulations on hemp. They, uh, the Federal Reserve and uh, the, the chairman, a um, whole bunch of uh, the financial orgs in December issued out a letter to the bank saying they no, need to, no longer need to file SARs on hemp, which is suspicious activity reports. Right. So they're flagging accounts less. I mean, I, I'm with a major bank. Um, I was their, what, their first hemp processor they took on. I don't want to say who it is publicly, but you know, they are piloting these programs and trying to get people on. I mean, it's the thing is, though, is that the CBD bubble is done over and burst. If anyone thinks that you're just going to waltz in here, start a CBD company and and buy a Lambo, you're mistaken. It's yeah. sold at Urban Outfitters in Faneuil yeah. Hall. Like, yeah. you know what it's I mean? Whole like, Foods and CVS. Yeah, like we, the big box stores are investing. They're not investing in you. Who are you competing with? So right. the way I always see it is, you know, it's, it's kind of true in cannabis as well. Like you can, if you, if you have a good craft operation and you know exactly what you're doing and you have a product that you're pouring your love and your soul into it, the connoisseurs will find you, the people will find you. You know what I mean? So the way I see it, what I'm doing here, you could put a cure leaf on every corner around me across the street. It's not going to impact what I'm doing. I know what my mission is. I know who I'm seeking to serve. And I know that the products I'm going to make are not coming out of the adult use. Um, no doubt about out. it. No doubt about it. I say that with any business, find your place. Like you don't need to worry about competition. Uh, you know, mostly I run a dog care business as people know. And we have so many dog care businesses in this town. It doesn't matter. You know, we have our niche, you know, people want to know the owner that's walking the dog. They love that. You know, so that's a niche that you won't find very much in this town. You know, it's mostly, you know, big, big, you know, hiring someone out 10, 15 bucks an hour or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I, I want to give out our number, but we don't really have a phone number anymore. It's, it's different now. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like your normal setup. I, I started watching you guys a, a couple months ago because I found you on Twitter and I agreed with you and that happens once a year. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have we have a uh, I had a studio as most people know for a long time, over five years, different places. But uh, now we're at home. We're doing setting up a home studio and you're at home as well, John. And uh, we're on Zoom, but we do have what you know, a Zoom line. It's not a telephone line. We're trying to 
we're trying to raise more money. And I want to thank you because you've been actually kicking in some money to support our show. I really appreciate that, John. Of course. Um, but, you know, we're, if anyone else wants to support us, it's midnightmass.substack.com. You can kick in some money. But there is a way that you can zoom in on this conversation. If you want to leave a message, ask a question of John, I'm going to open it up. Let me make sure I have the right number here. Here it is. It's meeting ID is 657-577-6264. So if anyone wants to get in right now, 657. I'm actually going to put a comment too on the, uh, the watch party that I'm in right now. Some people are checking it out. You have so many more interesting people on than me. So, <laughs> well, you know, I'm, like, I'm looking at your lineup. I'm like, really? I'm, I'm, I'm sandwiched in on. I that. was actually looking forward to this one. Honestly, I know, you know, some of the other ones are people like, you know, politicians and all that, but, uh, I was a little nervous, you know, I had my first two solo shows on, you know, at home here with, with two politicians and I'm friends with them, but still it's a little nerve wracking. You don't know who's watching and, you don't want to look like a fool. And, and today I feel like I can chill with you. You're smoking. Oh, you, you're, you're enjoying some, is that CBG? Uh, uh, depends on who's listening. It doesn't matter. What is it? Oh, you, you have kids that can't know. No, or? no, no. I'm just joking. It's, it's headband. I'm, headband. I'm, oh, so you got some THC going there. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's five fifty one. So that's my, right. That's yeah. the key, right. To change it up throughout the day. Mm -hmm. I like this. I, I can't wait to try this, John. I can't wait to, uh, yeah. See what you got going over there. So if people like, let's say that you run, you know, cause we have friends that run different shops, area wellness and Rockland and, and people run head shops or glass shops or who knows what kind of shop, but you know, mostly everything's closed at this point, but if they're reopening and someone wanted to, you know, start selling this type of product, how hard is it? Could they contact you? How does that work? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, I've, I've, my timeline keeps changing simply because of the state. I am waiting for the final thumbs up. Um, you know, I, I, I retained a, uh, a chemist to help with all SOPs and procedures. So this isn't me just fumbling through the, uh, you know, the science of it and trying to figure it out. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, I'm ready to rock. It's just a matter of when the state gives me the thumbs up, honestly. And, and this, when this COVID passes. And that's been running for a while with all hemp companies. I know that, you know, Laura's company has had issues. I just ordered from her. Right. So this yeah. is, this is a major issue for every hemp company right now. You're still waiting for the, the final go ahead. Is that. Yeah. And, and you know, like, so I, I'm sure you could pick up a little bit from, you know, our conversations and what we interact on, you know, I, I kind of like the, the whole, policy making and fighting of it all. So I actually, um, I took a position with the Northeast Sustainable Hemp Association on their board of directors, and uh, I joined a policy subcommittee. So I'm, I'm learning in this. I mean, th the reality is, is I have a lot of experience lobbying for, you know, tobacco harm reduction and nicotine, but this, this cannabis industry is amazing. I mean, you meet people that have been fighting for 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 years in this. So I'm kind of taking a back seat and, and trying to learn, you know what I mean? And, and try I love it. I love you. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that's been fighting for 20, 25 years. And, and sometimes it is frustrating, you know, cause I, when I first got into this for the first five years, I don't think I said anything, you know, what I did is I put a camera in people's faces that I just interviewed everyone, you know, Lester Grinspoon, all those people. I, I, you know, so I don't know. I, th I think that uh, too often young people, 
they, they have the drive, they have the intelligence, they even have great ideas, but they don't listen. They don't absorb, they don't realize that you need some experience. Life yeah. is, life is about, you know, getting ex experiences. It's, it matters. Go ahead, John, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. No, you're not interrupting. I'm, I'm from Jersey. I'm literally always talking. Um, so, uh, you know, the thing is, is with this was, it was, um, it, it was a switchover because I went from being to what I consider myself a subject expert on the electronic cigarettes. I've been, I'm one of the few people that can say I vape my entire twenties because I started in 2008, right at the advent in the beginning. And, uh, I was 19 years old and I'm 31 now, and I still use electronic cigarettes. So I've been in this for a long time and I do consider myself a subject expert on it. And I watched so many people try to lead and try to open their mouths. And, and you know, it's, it's easy to sound good, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're actually harming the movement. That's right. You know, I, I can tell you right now that I know I have the ability to say some great stuff in terms of cannabis activism, but real cannabis activists will see right through it because it's all bravado. These are people, people have gone to jail for this plant. Right. You know what I mean? Like people have lost their lives. We watched our friends plant. die. So, you know, so many yes. of our friends have died trying to get this to happen. So. Yeah, so, so I'm not about to just hop in here and go, hey, look, I got a really good JC Penny suit and, and some $3 words. Let me hop in front of a microphone. So in terms of that, it's been nice to like sit back and learn and get back into, you know, absorption mode and, and I'm starting to like, and, and the thing too is coming into a new industry is like, I, I know how to keep people at certain lengths so I could just appreciate them for who they are and what they are. And I'm winding my own business. What I'm doing here. Oh, well, can I ask how old you are? Because you sound like a very uh, I'm 30. Wise, wise seasoned gentleman. How old? I'm 31. Okay. You're, hey, you're, you're already figuring it out. I like it. You're, you're pretty worldly. I got to admit. I mean, some of the stuff you're saying, it's just... Uh, I don't too often, unfortunately, in the cannabis space. I just don't, you know. It's I appreciate it, man. I, I you know, I, I, I'm lucky enough to have lived two lives in one lifetime. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I'm married to my best friend, the greatest woman in the world, and Anna. And there was a time ten years ago that I was found overdosed in a Quiznos bathroom. So this. How is old were you then? Was that like 1920? I was 20. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I was an OD victim. I was brought back from Narcan, you know, so it's, it's, I always say that that's, that's kind of why I, I do what I do is because I spent a lot of time taking in my life. And, and now the antithesis is to, not the antithesis, the antidote is to do the opposite, you know, and, and you almost have to fake it till you make it. So for the last nine years, I've just tried to put one foot forward and do the right thing. And you know, I'm boisterous. I'm loud. I have a bit of an ego problem. Sometimes I, I, I like to hear myself speak. I, I know my faults. We have a lot in common. <laughs> I know. That's why I like, I identify with you, man. You know what? You know, what else I like too is uh, very inspiring. You know, I feel like so often the toughest things we go through, the biggest, you know, the day it happens, you're like, wow, this is this is the end. I can't deal with this. This is horrible. And then later on, you, you know, you it's like, you know, whatever it is, it's that, I don't know. I think it's Nietzsche. I don't even know who it is, but Sam Blatchurch put it on the back of their shirt. And it was like, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. 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 It, and, and it also makes you more compassionate, I think. And it also makes you more hopeful for not just yourself, but for other people. Like, because I, you know, I feel like so often in life, when I was younger, I, I was kind of a jerk. I was, 
I had no feelings for people for so much of my right. life yeah. until bad things happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I felt it. And then I realized, wow, a lot of people have it a lot worse than that. And it's, it's, it's a very privileged position we're in to learn that way. You know, I mean, you know, and, but really I think sometimes privilege. that's the way that, you know, it, it makes you feel, you know, because you see a person that's down on the luck and you say, you know, that number one, that could have been me and it maybe was me. But there's hope there's, there's it's not over. Like, I think a lot of times people go through life and just they see that person on the, on the street and they never expect that person will be any have any chance of being anything but that person on the street. And so often I, that's not the case. It, I, I have a comment that I say all the time to people. And I always say, like, when they you know, you see your local town groups, you know, bashing addicts. What, and I go, listen, right. don't judge them. They could be your boss one day. You know what I mean? And, and they go, yeah, okay, whatever. And, you know, sometimes I just laugh, you know, cause I'm someone's boss, you know? <laughs> and it's, but the thing is too, is that it also comes part in realizing that, you know, it's a lot easier for people in our position, you know what I mean? Being intelligent, being well-spoken, charismatic, having a good sense of humor, you know what I mean? Social status, ethnicity, all that stuff plays in. So there's also a moral responsibility to fight for people that it's not going to be that easy for them to get from jail to their own desk. You know what I mean? I don't have any illusions. I don't think just because I happen to be here, all it took was hard work and pulling myself up by my bootstraps. I have a moral responsibility to do good into the world and to make sure that it's a little bit easier and, and capable for them too. You know what I mean? And other people in those situations. So it, it's, it's always good to keep that in mind because I see a lot of people that come from a tough situation, they get better and then they get almost contempt for people that oh, don't. Well. I hate, I know. I see you know, that all like, the time. Oh, I did this and yeah, I, I, I walked, you know, I, it's like, I walked in the snow uphill, up, yeah, uphill I, both ways. Like I drank from the hose as a kid. My parents yeah. beat me. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm sorry yeah. you were exposed to violence. Yeah. But, you know, you got like, beat, everyone should get beat. Yeah, that doesn't mean like we have to keep doing that. We don't make, we don't like stop making vaccines because it's not fair to the people who died of polio. Yeah. Like you just, a, you know, imagine a rape victim saying, hey, I got through rape. So it's yeah. okay that person got raped. I mean, a rape victim, I don't think would, most of them would never say something like that. Yeah. But people say crazy stuff like that. I just, you know, I mean, well, that kind of mentality. Well, they, they take it with you. And I had that issue too, because you know what I mean? Like it's, it's very easy to lose empathy for people in your situation. I have said the word junkie angrily at a situation when I had an employee, you know, or someone, you know, using drugs that's, you know, breaking my heart. I, I, I you know, I don't want to allude to any specific situations, but you know, and, and I've said the word junkie and, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, like, who are you? You know, you, you always have to keep in touch with who you were because you could get this superiority complex, which is very common too, because it's oh, a yeah. defense mechanism. I think you know, we it, all, it, it, it's, it's a if, defense if we, mechanism. If you're not thinking about it, you're, you're it. <laughs> I mean, exactly, exactly. So I, I always try to remain conscious about like, you know, what, what you put out there with your story, like, I don't identify as like a former addict. It's not my identity. It doesn't tie into who I am. Um, it's a personal thing for me. And I reveal it when it's relevant. You know what I mean? And I make sure that if I'm going to bring that out, I'm going to bring something with it. You know what I mean? Not just like, hey, I did this. And now I did that. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like, 
there was, it was a hard road. Like I, I got clean at 22, but I wasn't a great person until like 25, 26. You know, I didn't love myself until I was 28, 29. Like it's a road, it's a battle, you know, but it, it's, I think that people, if, if, if you've been in a rough spot, you got to internalize, you know, how you got out of it. But, but you also have to take an honest look at, at the feelings and the emotions and what inside brought you there in the first place. And if you're not addressing that, you're just clean and crazy, you know, and, and hurt people, hurt people. I see that often, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's huge now. We, we have the same stories. I swear to God, I'm feeling all the same because, you know, like my alcohol, my, my issues were like, you know, really have been alcohol and, and tobacco, honestly, you know, but there, you, you know, even when I got beyond, yeah, I do. And that, that's why we should probably talk more about the vaping, yeah, but, um, yeah, I'll no, when when I got by that stuff though, there was still like you said, there's still a lot of a lot of work to do, a lot of people to talk to, a lot of changes that need to happen. I mean, you say you know late twenties, I was still a jerk in my late twenties. So I mean, yeah. some of us it takes even longer. Some of us it takes. So this is interesting yeah, stuff I, we're I, talking about here. And I respect everybody's path to get there, but I don't have to walk alongside you the whole way. So I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm very empathetic to people, but I also don't tolerate BS. Like I don't allow toxicity in my life. You are what you keep around you. You know what I mean? And that, and it will seep in. It, it absolutely it has does. to, it has to. That's the other thing. If you're around negative people, if you're in an organization that is all negativity and you're like Mr. Positivity, bringing everyone together, that'll work for like four or five years. Then by like year six, you'll be the one stabbing people in the back. <laughs> so uh, anyways, you know, I think we gave it out our little, uh, if anyone wants to ask a question, if they have the Zoom app, you can jump on right now. Um, if I could figure out how to take it. We have a lot of listeners right now. I'm just checking out our Facebook feed. So I'm not, I haven't even looked. I'm you're not. very popular, John. No, I'm not. Yeah. People say, uh, well, what are your relatives? It looks like Anna Nathan. That's my Anna, wife. I love she her. She says so he much. is a gentleman. That is you all see you. Your wife likes you. <laughs> I love that's her. A, that's important. I love my wife. And then Wendy uh, Lofgren says a wise gentleman. That's my mother-in-law. Oh, this is my whole wow, family. Your this, whole family's watching. Uh, I like this. this and then is, Joshua Mitchell says awesome guy. Uh, Who else? Uh, thanks, Josh. Wendy writes, John causes more honesty in all of us. These You got a lot of people listening that like you, so... I don't know why <laughs> you zoned in my heart says wendy oh. yeah you're getting compliments all day from these from yeah yep i'll have to read them later yeah you will and i'm sure i'm missing a lot because yeah, that's I, what I, happens on the facebook people are like you didn't read my comment it's like you don't always see them they come up I, later it's funny i always i try to say this because i'm physically emotionally and mentally addicted to social media and i, yeah. I admit it i get it whatever millennial her her make a meme i don't care i love it and uh mostly twitter twitter is where i spend most of my time watching and facebook oh, yeah. is where i spend my time talking and uh you know and uh it, it's <laughs> so uh you did get a dig though so the thing is dave is, uh, rutz wrote i can't stand him that's my old boss, <laughs> it's your old boss. <laughs> I love him. he didn't fire you did he huh no he didn't no, fire no no i left um he's mad you left left to move to massachusetts he should have given you a bigger raise and he offered one he was a that's, great yeah boss. that's what happened to me in my last boss. job i worked he's like 
can I give you another raise? I'm like, you just gave me one. And uh, no, <laughs> you, you should have offered me a bigger raise six months ago. Yeah, I'm a horrible employee. I'm really, you are? I'm terrible, terrible employee. I, I either assert the role of boss or you fire me for trying to. I can't, I don't know how to, I'm not good at taking orders. You're an employee. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm being honest. Like, no, so, no, it's true. But, I, I, but quid pro quo, uh, now we all know what that means. Uh, I am, I am not good at giving orders either. So I'm not, uh, I don't harp on people in ways that I didn't like it. When I got, when I got, you know, clean and my life back together, I had a boss after I showed up in a button up and, you know, at a tow yard, I was going to work and I, I showed up in a button up and everything. Cause I wanted to dress for the job you want. And, uh, I gave this like great speech about how I turned my life around. Cause I had a little bit of a record and, uh, he said to me, he goes, I don't really care. You're just an ass in a seat. And uh, I never forgot that. And I make it my mission that I will never allow anyone that works for me to feel like an ass in a seat. And so that's kind of, you know, that ties into it as well. Like, I'm not going to allow myself to, you know, make anyone feel like they're just an expendable worker. I, I didn't like how I was treated that way and i will never do that to anybody i can definitely feel that i'm just checking to see if there are any other good comments here too um <laughs> yeah now they're all talking to each other you got all your your mother-in-law and your yeah you got a lot of a lot of family and friends here checking us out and they're all talking to each other now i love it uh we're the young jerks my name is mike crawford i'm speaking to john nathan he's the gentleman smoking i'm envious he's got the cb no actually no he's got the thc going he's got the real cannabis going i'm gonna have some of that in a second but not in the house but he can he can do that in his office i i'm not allowed not not really not really not really you're just doing it for the show today I, he's looking around to see if he's gonna get in trouble no one's here you know no one's here okay and john uh nathan is uh he, he's got a company called bay state hemp company and he grows hemp, and we're talking about CBG, CBN. Not grow. What is it? Oh, process. process. You don't grow it. I'm sorry. No. Thank you. So no. you 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 just oh, basically mention that aspect of it. So no, the so now in in terms with Han, Han, Han. So in terms with what I was talking about, how the the processors taking advantage of farmers. Part of what I want to do is to take these Massachusetts farmers supply them with the products that they need, you know, at, you know, almost not like the seed, cost, the the seed. seed and work with them to help them build a better crop and then, you know, purchase from them continuously every year and become an asset to them. So you cut the toll charge that they're paying. And then I also want to use my site and use my uh, uh, social media to put these farms up there, show who the people who are actually tolling the land that's making this medicine. There shouldn't be anybody in the supply chain getting left behind. You know what I mean? It, it can't be, it, I, I just believe if you're going to be, uh, call yourself Bay State Hemp Company and be about Massachusetts and mass farmers, that's the goal, you know? I, I also want to uh, say that I have an, I, I have a product that I want to put together and, and I have it completely established and you know sourced for a uh, a tincture that can be 100% top to bottom sourced from Massachusetts farms absolutely everything in it inclu including the carrier oil so that's something also that I wanted to bring out a lot of stuff focusing on the local area in New England is primarily where I want to 
now we're 50 state legal, but that's, that's my goal is to very cool uh, take care of new England. So people can grow it and they brand to you, you process it, make it into products for them. Absolutely. Create products, white labeling products, and then also taking the purchasing the CBG biomass and then converting that into these minor cannabinoids and putting them in formulations and making them affordable and readily available. Very cool. I can't wait to see this happen. Um, I can't wait to try some of this too. I can't wait to see what this CBN and, you know, the CBG, what that's like just when it's, you know, the main component of the flower. Um, I'd mentioned I smoke cigarettes. I mean, this is, I have a feeling a lot of people are in my same, same shoes right now where we, you know, so many of us want to quit. And, you know, with this, uh, this new COVID-19, I think it's becoming even more of a concern for people because that's like the high risk. And, and um, we, you we do the vaping. Would you, would you, do you have advice on that? Like if someone's been smoking, like let's just say the average, a pack a day forever, and they want to stop, but they, they're having a hard time because, you know, I've tried the patch, not the patch yet, but I've heard it's about the same, but I've tried the gums and the, and the, so, whatever those other things, the mints. There's still tobacco and menthol flavored vapor products available in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, and, and one of the things that I, I had an issue with and, you know, and, and, and the flavors attack is the thing that adults don't like flavors, you know, 21 plus liquor stores have birthday cake vodka, but adults don't like flavors. So somehow that, that stream of logic was able to gain some clout in lawmaking. And, and I don't know how, but so when you talk about the, the exclusion of the flavors, you have tobacco and you have menthol. And I remember we were in DC and I met with uh, Senator Markey's office. And his, and his health policy advisor said to me, because we were talking about the issue of a flavor ban, and he said, what's the issue with having tobacco and menthol flavored vapor products for smokers to get off? And I said to him, I go, would you see it advisable for an alcoholic to use a lime margarita lollipop to curb the satisfaction? You know what I mean? Like you're asking people to reminisce what almost killed them. Like it's the whole point is that the inclusion of flavors adds something fun and inquisitive for adults. I, I, right now I'm, I'm vaping a, a raspberry candy. I'm 31 years old. You know what I mean? I'm, this is what I enjoy. I like lime. I like cinnamon rolls. I make a cannoli flavor. You know, my average customer is over 35 years so they, old. Let me ask you a question. Do they, those vapes you're talking about with the cannoli, do they have nicotine or not? In them? Yes, I, I do sell products with nicotine, yes. So how does that work? Because I thought they were banned. I'm manufacturing and selling out of state. I can't sell into the state of Massachusetts. Oh, you can't sell them here. So, yeah, so think about this. I mean, Smith & Wesson is manufacturing a lot of rifles that can't be sold in Massachusetts. Yeah. It doesn't stop them. Interstate commerce protections are actually pretty good in the state. So I'm allowed to manufacture. We're allowed to produce. We're allowed to distribute. We cannot make sale into the state of Massachusetts. And it's grueling. You know, I'll say this, the one, the one, the people that got hurt most by this are not me. It's not, you know, my friends, we're, we're resourceful. We're always going to have access to these products. You know, when we were, we were held a rally, I, I, uh, we organized a rally in Boston the day before the vote, before the Senate voted on the flavor ban. And we, and we went to Boston Commons and went to the front of the state house. And I got a message that night from, from a woman on Facebook and she sent me a P 
p.m. And she said, I'm 84 years old. I have COPD. I'm on oxygen. I can't march. How do I let them know I exist? These are the people that want their flavors. People did not see the unspoken vapor. They always see the guy who, you know, with the sideways hat, letting out a cloud in front of the mall. What they don't think about is their grandmother who has a logic in her purse that she takes out a couple times a day and doesn't talk about it. Instead of smoking, which she did forever. Exactly. The OPDA from that. Um, so uh, to talk about vapes, um, so like, say someone is trying to quit cigarettes right now they don't know anything about vapes they yes where i mean you you can still get them in massachusetts with nicotine but no i, flavors. I would suggest your, that, with, you, with your flavorings right what you're talking about when you sell out of state that does that have nicotine or not it does but i i can't help people listening for with my products yeah i can tell you where you can get products that's what i'm saying but, yeah, but I, I, I know can, people can go to yeah. new hampshire and things like that they, they can, they can, but for, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't help, you know. You, you could get in trouble is what you're saying. If it, if it kind of looks too salesy. Well, it's not even about that. It's just, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't really care about selling product. Anymore. Yeah, I could tell that. About, but I, but I, being, yeah, I'm more thinking about like someone like myself who, who you know, cause I think people do want to quit. So, so I would, here's what I would say. Your local vape shop, if it is still open is struggling. The government just shut them down for no reason. These people put everything into it. These aren't big tobacco executives. They are small business owners. They quit smoking and said, I'm going to quit my job and help as many people find this as possible. These are people that get excited about how many smokers they convert. That's who got hurt. And they're still, some of them are struggling and trying to remain open. A lot of them have become dual use shops. They've become you know, uh, they're able to, they sell, uh, you know, like glass and, 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 you know, concentrate products, cartridges, vaping, you know, that kind of product, as well as, you know, tobacco and menthol, but just go to your local vape shop, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I, I support them in any way possible. As opposed to Juul, because I mean, I, that's what I, I've heard some really bad things about those Juul products. That was one of the uh, reasons why I was like, I ain't trying this vaping. Here's what I'm going to say. I am anti-Jewel, um, not particularly because of their product. Um, their product is very well protected by patent. I'm not going to pretend to know what's in it. There's a lot of speculation. I, I their practices and and who they are as a company and and who makes their decisions. I am firmly against. So. I don't want to dissuade anyone from using any product that is going to help them get off cigarettes. So, and I'm very careful with that. My personal opinions have no bearing on, on how effective that product could be for you. Using a jewel is still, um, I, this is a non-scientific, um, like a million times better than smoking a cigarette. So I don't want to, I want to be very careful with my language here because it's a responsibility. I have, I'm not, I'm, I'm a I'm tobacco harm reduction advocate right. is what I totally identify. Get it. I'm not a vape salesman. So if, for me, it, it's, if people move from smoking to snooze, you know what I mean? I've tried that. It's not going to do it for me. It doesn't do it for you, but but yeah. it, it, it was it a might help some people. I mean, that would be the best, Sweden. I think, better than even vapes, yeah. Well, it's called Swedish snooze for a reason. In Sweden, the, they came up with this idea for a spitless pouch, and the Swedish government, socialized medicine, you know, a universal medicine, they have an interest in their people being healthy. That matters to some governments. 
And they said, oh, wow, let's invest in this and promote it. And they promoted snus. And now I believe, I don't want to be misquoted, but it's like a 90% reduction in smoking in Sweden because of that. And people are dying less. That is what happens when the government embraces harm reduction policy. And, and it's absolutely a travesty how we have handled vaping. I, I firmly believe that we had in our hands one of the greatest advancements in public health in, in my lifetime. You could have seen 12 million, it's estimated 12, 13 million people have quit smoking, gone to something that is deemed 95% safer. 480,000 people die every single year from tobacco-related illness. How many people get COPD? I mean, that's horrible, too, just in itself. If you don't die from it or not, most do die from that if they get it. But Well, it's like, here was my argument. I remember when Charlie Baker... Put a, uh, said no taxes unless it was in the interest of public health, okay? And he put into his bill two taxes. One was an opioid tax, which I'm okay with, tax the S out of them. And then he put a nicotine tax in. And when I went to, when I, when I, when I testified against it, I, my, I clearly said, I go, so you mean to tell me that in the opioid tax, there's an exemption for methadone, there's an exemption for suboxone, and there's an exemption for, uh, is it called Vivitrol? Vivitrol. I said, I go, now all three of those are synthetic opioids, just like what is being taxed, but we know that it's used in a harm reduction effort, so they're exempt. Why are vapor products being grouped in with a nicotine tax just because they contain nicotine? So your logic was flawed. You were able to say, oh, these opioids aren't as bad as those opioids, but all that nicotine is bad. You get what I'm saying? I do, totally. This is this is what happens when there's really, really like bad policy making when it, it seems like that happens a lot, Massachusetts. I, I want to mention another topic you I know you're aware of, and I'm sure you have an opinion of, um, that I think ties into harm reduction because Charlie Baker, the governor of Massachusetts, just banned recreational sales of cannabis because of the COVID-19. Um, his rationale were the long lines, which obviously were happening because you know, not that many recreational shops open. Most mass citizens don't have a medical card. So if you're going to purchase cannabis, most likely you're going to go to a rec shop. And secondly, is that most states around here, you know, from New Jersey beyond, they don't have legal recreational cannabis. So people, you know, there's a lot of weed tourism. There's a lot of cannabis tourism from New Hampshire and New Jersey. And if you live in, uh, you know, Western Mass, you know, and you're on the border, a lot of people from other states are coming in. Um, I don't think it's that much of a problem in downtown Boston. I don't think you're getting a lot of uh, people from out of state going to Boston for their cannabis. But for some of these border dispensaries, definitely was an issue. But that that's his excuse to close the recreational dispensaries. Whereas, you know, he, he said that today again, that it was about the out of state people, which see, see, to me is gaslighting. Well, I people, mean, don't... With that type of issue is not supposed to make Charlie Baker not want to open recreational dispensaries. It's supposed to make the other governors want to open them because that's exactly what prohibition does. It causes these problems. Charlie Baker is, is, all right, scratch that. Um, no. no, I think you're right, though. I mean, Charlie Baker's missing a lot on this. He he should be asking the other the other states to legalize, you know. And and, and the really thing is, he could easily be. say no out of state people. How, how well, easy for is it for him to say, you know what, no more lines, appointment only, curbside pickup, 
no out-of-state people, every dispensary would say yes, Absolutely. and we'd be happy. Yeah, and, and I mean, the thing too is, is when you get, when you see these situations, these blaring examples of, of where prohibition doesn't work, prohibitionists like Charlie Baker move forward with more prohibition. It was like, yeah. when you take a look at the, the vape ban that he did, okay, over the, the cartridges, you know, uh, or, or whatever, you know, what was causing the evoli, the lung affliction. Um, what that meant was we all need to legalize. Like, that's really what every right. state should have done was like, oh. okay, cool. We got to regulate this. Let's go. Like, okay, cool. Let's get the programs up and going fine. You know, open up testing labs. Like that, that's what we're supposed to do. Not punish two regulated industries for the actions of drug dealers. You know what I mean? And, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's done that twice now. He's done the opposite of what he should be doing for harm reduction. Because when we had the vape epidemic, most of those, tainted vapes it seemed like 99.9 percent of them came from the unregulated market absolutely so, so his solution was to shut down vape sales in the regulated market which sent everyone to the poison well, and now got, he's doing the same thing again you know it's telling it's, everyone you know that's in the recreational customers that you have no choice now you have to go back to that illicit market and if you like vapes go back to those poison vapes and guess what you know, yeah. a lot of these dealers, they're not using gloves. They're not, you know what I mean? So, you know, uh, Ben with the wind Baker, man. So here's the thing. When the vape thing went down, the FDA had reported back like, yeah, no, we see absolutely nothing saying that this is tied to nicotine vapor products. The CDC had not one bit of information except for anecdotal teenagers saying, oh, I use vapes and I did. Right. Oh, wow. Teenagers didn't immediately admit to using federally illegal products. Yeah. You know, riddle me shocked. Yeah. So that was what they had was these anecdotal snippets. And when that information was presented to uh, Charlie, his response was, well, we can't lean on the FDA to look after us and the federal government. We got to we got to rely on Massachusetts. Now, on the flip side, he just submitted into his budget to remove the Massachusetts hemp program from the Department of Agriculture and to let the feds handle it and leave it oh. to the USDA. So this guy absolutely has no convictions. You know, my a, a buddy of mine, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say a name. I was about to, he's like, oh, whatever. He always said to me, he's like, what does he stand for? He's like, just tell me, because I voted for Baker. The corporate I, Charlie. That's what I, he is. Corporate, a corporate prohibitionist Charlie. That's what he is. I voted for Baker in 2018 because he won me over with his uh, opposal to question three, which would have rescinded the transgender protections in Massachusetts. And I liked that a lot. And I also liked the fact that when question four passed, and this is what I had heard, that even though he was against it, he was urging people, get everything on my desk. I have to sign this for the people. Like, okay, will of the people. Like I had heard from Chatter, and that may not be true, but I had heard that. No, I think there's some truth to all of that. And, but... and I love the fact that that you had a, a a GOP, you know, governor that was speaking in favor of trans rights, which to me was fantastic. So he got my vote on some, you know, very wishy-washy things. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't as tapped in at the time. You know, I still kind of had some different views on some stuff as well. So I voted with Baker and uh, I've never regretted that vote. I, I regret that vote more than anything. I, 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 I cannot express to you how much contempt I have for what he put this state through. Oh, I mean, I, I, I'm waiting to, to that band I, I just can't wait till I see him in town someday. Cause I live one town over from him. 
I drive by his house all the time, you know, on the way to when I go to Boston or Somerville, which I don't do that much anymore, obviously. But um, I, I just know someday I'm going to have a run in with him. And I've met him once before, before he was governor. And I'm, I'm going to have a lot to say to him if I ever get to see him. I believe you. I have my camera out. I mean, right in his face. I don't care how many state police are there. One day I was driving by and he was coming out of his house, going into the car. I was like, oh, I couldn't get him. You know, he, he's, he's really smart, you know, because I've driven by that house a million times. And I'm always looking to see if he's going to be walking around the neighborhood. He never does. You'll yeah. never see him walking around the neighborhood. I know he goes to a couple of restaurants, so we'll see. Eventually, I'm sure I'll run into him, but... You think he's going to go for a third term? Maybe, possibly, or run for president. I think he really wants to run for president. I think I, Donald I Trump heard, loses, and that he'll run for president. I heard from somebody that worked in his office that he has no aspirations to run for office outside of governor. Mm. That's what I had heard. What I was worried about was, you know, had the country made you know, good decisions. And we got Warren up there and she was out of her Senate yeah, seat. I was, I was afraid of him going into the Senate seat. And, you know, my, my sister made a really good point to me when I, when I voted for Baker, um, she said to me, she goes, uh, if he was in the Senate, how would he vote? And, and I, I remember it was after I already had filled it out, but it chewed me up because I realized it's real easy for him to resist Trump in Massachusetts, you know what I mean? Yeah, Big oh, old yeah. blue Massachusetts, where he gets 55% of the Democratic vote. But would he resist him when he's sitting there in the Senate and has to vote yes or no on things after what just happened? Not, not and, when his peers you know, are all Republicans. Exactly. His peers so, here are all Democrats. Exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> so Much easier to be resisting in, in Massachusetts on the state level, definitely. Yeah, so um, I, you I, know, I, I, it's funny, too, you mentioned the trans thing, that he supported that. I think he only did because he had to, you know, I, I think that this is one thing that we should uh, consider with Charlie Baker. He'll ignore us all day. He'll, he'll ignore us, ignore, 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 ignore. But the moment that he gets really afraid, like in terms of you have a movement that frightens him, he'll fold like a, he'll fold like a cheap, you know, like a cheap chair. I mean, that's, that's to me, like, and I think that's a reason why he's supporting question four after he was against it is because he knew like, you know, this, this, when you have a majority vote, it doesn't even matter what the issue is anymore. People are, it, it got voted on. So, you yeah. know, it's going to even have more support than, the, than even the majority that voted on it because it's law now. So I, I feel like, I feel like he doesn't have that much conviction on this stuff. I feel like that he just feels one way and will go that way until someone scares him, you know, until an organization or a movement well, like the trans movement, the trans movement was going to eat him alive. if he didn't. Yeah. Rightfully so too. Yeah. So you I know, think that we and the cannabis movement need to, to be stronger. Like we need to really get vocal on this stuff because it has an effect if we, if we're, if we're strong enough, unfortunately, I feel like people, only get mad when he pulls this BS, you know, and yeah. it'll last for a little while. Hey, you know, Mike, one thing I want to add in that I, I think should be known too, that's very, very interesting. And, and, and it, it's, it, it speaks a lot to the, uh, where a lot of these uh, lawmakers hearts were in Massachusetts. So there was, um, when they did that flavor ban bill, there, there were a lot of amendments. And there was one that talked about allocation of what's called MSA money. Okay, and the MSA is the Master Settlement Agreement of 1998. 
where 46 attorney generals, 46 states signed agreements with the tobacco companies saying we will never make cigarettes illegal, we will not impede cigarette sales, you just have to give us this portion of money to be used for smoking cessation efforts. That was what the agreement was. In the flavor ban bill, there was an amendment that said, can we allocate just 10% of that money that 100% is supposed to be for smoking cessation, for smoking cessation, and it was voted against, and they shot it down. And that money's going to the general fund, is that right? Absolutely. So there's oh. money- So they're breaking the law. They're breaking the, the they, settlement you know, agreement. It, it's just, it, well, it's just insidious behavior right before your eyes wrapped up in policy that the average person doesn't understand. The state literally just admitted that there is going to be an influx in tobacco money. They now know that tobacco sales are going to go up by banning flavors. They knew this. So tobacco sales shot up, the tax revenue shot up, and they wanted to make sure that, no, we're not going to spend all that money on smoking cessation. We need a little bit for veto-proof raises. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's where, you know, it gets insidious. I'm not saying that was the intent of every person that voted on it, but I believe, you know, just there was a struggle and it, and it was, I watched it live and, and you could see they kind of were going back and forth a bit about it. Um, but there were some lawmakers adamantly against it, namely uh, Senator John Keenan. Uh, he, he was very against that money being used for smoking cessation. Why? Why did he say? He was I don't know. We'll have to ask him. You know, I, I you know, he, he's also I, very much against cannabis forever. John Keenan. He was very recently yeah. mad from Quincy. So yeah, John Keenan, I spent uh, a little bit over two hours in his office where I explained. Well, that must have been a lot of fun. Thing. Oh God, it was great. We, uh, we played Parcheesi, <laughs> um, but no. So we, we got into this discussion back and forth and and I essentially took him through every last bit of, of how the vapor industry works. I showed him data on, you know, you know, age breakdowns, who we sell to, all of that. Like here's my customer data, everything you could imagine to show him, listen, we're not the enemy. And I didn't say I don't want to be regulated. And I used to th I thank these guys. I go, thank you for moving in the interest of public health. Like I know you're trying to do the right thing. These guys are not all, I'm not, you know, not whatever, but not all of them are sitting there wringing their hands trying to put me out of business. They just don't understand what they're banning. Right. You know, they don't understand what they're voting on. And and the issue I had with that was like, I sat there and took him through it. And, and the end result was, you know, I'm paraphrasing a very little bit, but he said, uh, you know, that all sounds good, but uh, we're going to move forward with this. And then the bill was even more fine tuned against us. The final language, it was like, all I did was give an education course on how to ban us. When in all reality, I came stacked and loaded with information. Like you have to refute science. It's twice as effective as gum and patches as per the New England Journal of Medicine. You know, there's, there's so many reports that, that you can bring out. I had packets. It was a very, very insidious uh, uh, move. And, and, you know, and, and again, there's people I deeply respect that voted for that flavor ban. And I just, it's, it's my fault for not reaching them sooner, reaching out or getting them the right information. You know what I mean? But there are- I feel the same way actually, because uh, yeah, I heard from some of them after. Yeah, there are some people, there are some people that voted for that with, with some bad intentions. And there's people who, you know, willfully ignored science to vote for it. 
but you know i like i said i don't want to make it known because pretty much the whole legislature everybody i mean yeah oh but they just don't understand the policy and it it was our fault honestly yeah sure not engaging them earlier for not getting in front of them educating them this is this is it's funny because this is the same battle we have with cannabis it's like so often you know you talked about these you know folks that think they're the big shots and all this the the flash and there's all these new folks that come out and they think they reinvented the wheel yeah but this the cannabis field is about education and information i mean that's what it's become and it's a steep curve i mean we have to we have to not only educate the public and the doctors but we have to educate the governor and the state reps and the state center and that's what i do i mean most of my time uh, you know, I'm not even in the cannabis industry, really. Most I, I am in the dog care business. I do a, you know, part-time media work, but I think what our, our cannabis work that we do do is essential, and I feel like a lot of people value it and get what we do and, and really appreciate it because we're we're educating the senators, we're educating the state reps, and we have conversations. And it was funny on the flavor van. A lot of them afterwards said, you know what, now I, I get where you're coming from and they voted for it, you know, and maybe they, and maybe that was our fault again for not reaching out sooner, but this stuff comes up on us so fast, you know, we can only do so much with our day, but this is the challenge for us always. It's about education, right? Absolutely. And as soon as you become classified, and I hate saying it as a sin industry, you know, cannabis shouldn't be considered sin. It's, it's. I mean, it's ridiculous to even talk like that. But as soon as you're labeled as a sin industry, your job immediately is to be flooding the state house with information in their face, coordinating with them, writing your own laws, writing your own regulations, you know, not you, but, you know, hiring lobbyists and, 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 you know, actual like, you know, lawyers, but like you have to write your own regulations or they're going to write them for you. And they're not going to coordinate with small business ever. They're not going to coordinate with consumers. You know what I mean? When it came down to the policymaking, Altria gets into the room. You know, for anyone who doesn't know, Altria is the uh, company that owns Philip Morris, Marlboro, you know, cigarettes, tobacco, Juul. They have a minority stake in Juul. They own 35% of Juul. RJ Reynolds. Those are the people that they speak to. You know what I mean? Not not the lawmakers, but that's that's who everything is coordinated with when they're trying to figure things out because they have the most say. Um, so it's, you got to stay in their face. You have to stay contacting them, develop relationships with them. I think some of the greatest ways that I've ever gotten in with lawmakers was by, you know, talking about where we agree. Um, you know, I, I don't want to name names, but there was one, uh, representative who, you know, grilled me several times, um, in, in sessions and hearings. And I happened to support one of his bills very publicly on Twitter and uh, we wound up talking via DM. We wound up having a meeting. We wound up having a very good discussion where we shared points of view. And when it was done, we didn't still see eye to eye, but I was told, hey, if you're ever up this way, shoot me a text, let's go get some Dominican food. You know what I mean? So like, it, it starts the conversation. It starts to build rapport because the re- reality is, is that your lawmakers, are the, your, your elected officials, they're, they're your neighbors. You know what I mean? These aren't yeah. all bigwigs running Massachusetts. These, these are, these are people that, you know, there's some amazing human beings in that legislature. No, there are. And they're I'm great. Honest. You know, I've met so many of them, had conversations with them. And so many times they are experts in, in so many different fields. 
Oh, it's amazing. But they can't be experts in everything like me. Like I, I can be expert in, you know, the cannabis policy, but I don't know all this other crap that you're talking about today, John, about the CBD, you know, CBG, CBN of the plant. So even within the area that you're supposed to be an expert in, sometimes you're not even an expert. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. when, mean, when, when, when they're talking about cannabis, most of them have, they're not experts at all. They don't, they're not experts on policy or the parts of the plant or anything about it. So yeah, and, that's and our it, value. It's we, not their fault. And yeah, it's, it's not, not their fault. fault. You know, and what they need to hear from is our community. Our community needs to educate them. That, absolutely. That, we, and, and to remember that even if they vote against you, they don't, you know, it's, I never had this, this, you know, extreme hatred for anybody who, I think I told you the story about uh, when I met Maura Healy, you know, and uh, I hope I don't irritate anyone listening saying this, but, you know, I, I ran into Maura Healy. She testified for seven minutes that essentially I should be out of business. Not me personally, just know who I am because um, my business, my come, my products aren't in high school. So I wasn't on the attack list, but she was there and she testified for seven minutes and everybody had smoke coming out of their ears and they're furrowing their faces. I walked over to Attorney General Healy. I said, I go, you just testified for seven minutes that I should be out of business, but I want to thank you for your 46 lawsuits against the Trump administration for protecting dreamers and for fighting to protect health care. But I would like to let you know I'm the largest manufacturer in your state. I'm sold in every single vape shop and I'm not in high schools and you've never heard of me. And if you give me 10 minutes, I could tell you why I'm not Jewel. And, and I wound up taking a picture with her. She shook my hand. We, we, we actually had like a really good, like lighthearted uh -huh. conversation after. And I didn't vote for her in 2018. You know what I mean? Like I have, my, you know, my issues with her, but it was about sitting there going, okay, listen, that's still a human over there. You know what I mean? Don't you don't have to resist them. A lot of times these That's people so are doing true. really, That's really so great true. stuff. Yeah. A lot of great stuff. And they're yeah. just a little misguided, but they oh, yeah. feel that they're in the interest of public health. Yeah. They're trying to help. Yeah. So you always have to remember, especially when it came to vaping, when you go up to them and say, listen to me, you're yeah. stop listening to the teachers, health professionals, and parents and listen yeah. to this listen guy. To me. Listen, listen to me. this douche yeah. in a hat. You know? That's not gonna work. But if you tell them your story and you're respectful to them, um, you know, especially if you follow up, I feel like so often in my experience, we would move people by just continuing to show up and get them to know who we were. And, yeah. and they may not even come over the way you want them to, but in the end, they, they respect you. They're like, you know what? This guy really cares. He's really, he, I, you know, he, he's not just, you know, some joker. I'm not a single issue voter. And, and that's the thing, a lot right. of people, a lot of my industry and people do not like me for saying this. There's a big thing, we vape, we vote. I'm not, no, I'm going to, I'm voting blue. Like that's my, healthcare is what I'm voting for. You know what I mean? That's what I'm voting for. I'm, I'm voting for, you know, <laughs> you know, women's rights for, so, you know, that's where I'm headed. You know what I mean? So I, I, I my business does not take precedence over human life. Right. So I don't vote for vaping. So I'm not going to go up to him and say, if you don't do this, I'm not going to vote for you. I'm going to say, listen, I'm voting for you because I really care about these things that you care about. And, and we see eye to eye there. And we're, we're very much aligned on this. Can I explain to you through the same lens why this policy is misguided? That's it. Hear me as a constituent. And it's effective. You know, That is effective. I, I mean, I get the, I, I have these same conversations uh, when, when that flavor ban came up, 
you know, a lot of a, a lot of the reps that I like, I say, you know, I'm with you on housing, on yeah. criminal justice reform. I'm with you on this. I'm with, we, we, I can't find anything we don't agree with, but this is it. This is exactly. the one thing. And I still exactly. like you. I still support you. I still respect you. But you really should consider this, you know, this part of it. And a lot of them were like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I made a mistake. You know, it was too yeah. late for, you know, for me to provide that education. That was the problem. But I think that uh, with any of this stuff, you know, you, you, they're not going to agree with you on everything. And it's the way you act, I think, a lot of times. And if you treat them like a human being, you get a lot, lot further. Absolutely. My, some of my favorite public officials in mass voted, you know, for the flavor. Andy Vargas is one of my favorite people. Nika. I, we had Nika on uh, this week. I love, I, she's my, one of my favorite reps. She voted for it. So there you go. I, I like Liz Miranda too. There you she go. Voted for it. You know what I mean? And that's fine. You know what I mean? I, it was my fault for not reaching out to their offices earlier. I'm sorry. And I know people say that they have to look at the science, but the science that they get comes from the state, which comes from the Fed, which comes from the FDA. And if I don't get there before they get it, that's what they're going by. Right. You can't you can't get angry at, at people for following government channels for information. You have to get mad at the industry for not influencing those information channels. You know what I mean? You got, you have to, that's why, I mean, when I moved into, when I got into hemp, I, I said to Anna, my wife, I said, I go, I'm, I'm just going to go to an office. I'm not going to get involved in any advocacy. I'm not going to do any activism. I'm just going to keep my head down. And his last words. And then it just, it, it was, I was on the phone with uh, Julia, the, who is absolutely amazing. Uh, the director head does, oh my God, she's, she's fantastic. Her and Laura run the Northeast Sustainable Hemp Association. And I said, so is there a trade org? And the second I heard, well, there's not really a, I was like, oh no. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to create no, a trade org. <laughs> uh, no, so I, now I, you run a trade org. Tell us. No, about no, 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 no. No, you I, don't? I thought you no, did. I, I joined a board of directors to help on a subcommittee for policymaking. Linda Noel is, is on the, the same board. subcommittee and she is fantastic. I am learning from her. That is someone that I'm just sitting back and, and, and listening to. She is fantastic. She's been fighting for hemp since I was three years old. So yeah, she's been fighting for cannabis too. She's, I, she's uh, one of the co-founders of Mass Can Normal, which has been around for over 30 years fighting for cannabis reform, an organization that I got started yes. with, but I've also had a lot of problems with, but with Linda and I go good. And I'm cool with Mass Can now. I don't, you know, I, I mean, but I'm not here to bash them. Is, that's my thing is that I, like I said, I came from a place where I was a, 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 sub, a subject matter expert. And now I'm sitting on a board with people like her where I don't know anything. You know what I mean? What, what I bring to the table is, you know, I know how to approach lawmakers. I know how to articulate our dilemma. I know how to put it in their lens. I know how to speak in, in a language that's agreeable. You know what I mean? I, no, I do. That's what I am. But I'm for this. It's 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 a learning experience. Thank so. God we have you, John. I, I just want to appreciate you and Thank everything you, you're doing. I feel like I got some good education, good information. I know a lot of our listeners did as well. They're again thanking you. There's people up here thanking you for your flavors and how you saved their lives. Thank you, guys. Thank um, you. They're also thanking you for the education. Uh, is Jen General much respect from? Uh, for you both, uh, but I really got to change her dressings. I don't know what that's about. Is that a pri I don't know. Somebody, I think someone might be sick. I don't, I'm not sure. I think we missed a previous 
Yeah, they're talking to each other now. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I have no idea what's going on. I just on. read stuff randomly. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I thought they were like, you know, it, it's funny because once we start one of these uh, live feeds, they get a life of their own. Sometimes people start arguing um, in them. That's why I don't, I can't look. I just, I'm just talking with you, Mike. That's my job. I like to look at them and see what people are up to, see what, if they have any questions. And someone said, uh, Wendy said, I like you too, Mike. Thank you, Wendy. I feel like I got some new friends here because of John tonight. Thank you, John and Wendy. Ditto. Yeah. So we're the Young Jerks. We're here whenever we want now. We used to do once a week, but uh, <laughs> Grant and I just book guests and we just have shows whenever we want. It's awesome. You know, everyone's at home now, so I'm working less these days, so we can do more of this. Uh, this is what my third interview this week I did. I did uh, early in the week. You can watch it on a podcast. We had uh, Cambridge City Council of Quinton Zondervan. Uh, the other night on Monday night, I interviewed uh, Mass State Rep Nika Alugado. And now we're with John Nathan. Uh, also uh, last night, or yes, actually during the day, uh, Grant Smith interviewed Stephen Mandilli. He also uh, interviewed a bunch of growers about growing in Massachusetts. So we got a lot of content coming. If you miss anything, you can always catch it on our Facebook page. We also have a Facebook group. It's the Young Jerks, J-U-R-K-S. Definitely be in that Facebook group. That's where a lot of good info. You're in that group, right? I love it. Yeah, it's a good group. A lot of good people. A lot of good information gets shared. And also on our, we have a podcast. We're everywhere. Apple, iTunes, you name it, we're there. Uh, Pocket Cast, Overcast, TuneIn. You name it, we're there. Again, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find The Young Jerks. Definitely catch up to us, review us, and rate us on iTunes. It's much appreciated. We also have a website email list that most most of our listeners do subscribe and check that out. It's uh, midnightmass.substack.com. If you're not on there, definitely do check that out, subscribe, become a paying member, support our show. John, you're a paying member over there. I want to really thank you for that. Um, anything that you want to leave our audience with before we wrap it up tonight, John, um, you want to share. I, I don't, I don't really, no, just, just try to be good to people, you know, um, really, you know, this, this is where it really, really matters. You know, I, I see, I see a lot of, a lot of venom and, uh, I also see a lot of really good things happen and a lot of good karma in action and, just try to be part of the positive of all of this. You know, I know I'm going to try to be, and I'm falling short. That's really all I could say right now. I don't think so. I don't think you're falling short. I've heard so many good things about you. My friend Grant uh, told me that you just sent him some math. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he definitely needs them. Absolutely. He's in a tough situation and uh, they're much needed. So yeah. you're you, like, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we can always I'll be kinder. Sometimes I'm not too kind on the social media. I've been known to tell people they're dumb. Yeah, me too. That's that's where I'm saying I fall short. But I'm trying to be nicer, honestly, during this time. And I, I think that a lot of us want to be nicer now. So yeah, I think we should all try. I mean, this is a really tough time. And that also applies to people when they're being nasty to you. Maybe just let it go. Yeah. You know, because you don't know what they're dealing with right now. There's so much upheaval in this world i'm just glad i have a good partner that i'm happy to be at home with you know because there's so many people that they're not happy to be home 
Oh, I, oh, I live with my best friend. My wife is my absolute best friend. So I, I can sit there and laugh with her day in and day out. She, That's I, important, I, the laughter. I, I, she cracks me up. She is the most hilarious human being I know, the sweetest, kindest heart. I love my wife. I, I have no problem being home. That's great. I like to work, but I like to be home. The cracking up is, uh, that's how I get out of everything over here. Same. I just start <laughs> imitating her. Like I, I have a few different things I do. I can get out of anything if she stops. <laughs> or I can make fun of myself. That's another one she likes to, yeah. I, I'm easy to make fun of, so. Me yeah. too. Yeah, she makes fun of my Jersey accent, my pronunciation of certain words. You know, I say dog, you know, talk, coffee. Oh, will you talk funny still? Yeah, I still. How long have you been here now? Four years. Math. Four years. Four years? Yeah. But I'm in Plymouth, so it's not like in the thick of anything. Yeah. So. Well, well thank you so much today, John. You, uh, you, you have a website and a Facebook page and all of that as well? Yeah, I do. Um, it's very rudimentary and barely put together right now. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm working more word of mouth locally talking with the people than outward presenting right now. You know, we're a little bit, it's going to be a little bit more services based. So I, I, I'm a little slow on the website, but so people can, uh, if they want to reach out, they can find you on Facebook. I know you're on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? You know, uh, at Hey John Nathan. Perfect. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I know I know that I follow you on pretty much any any social media we're friends with now. Same man, same. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely uh check John out. Um yeah, I, I usually I, I kinda end the show promoting like the next show, but I don't even know what we're doing next. <laughs> Maybe taking a couple days off because we we really have come out like blasting. We've just been throwing guest after oh, guest no. after guest out. <laughs> It's been wild, man. I've yeah. been watching you guys. I and we're going to do more. I, I'm talking to, um, what I can tell people is that definitely we're going to have more politicians, more cannabis folks. Um, I know for a fact that we're going to have Julia Mejia, uh, Boston she, City Councilor. She's coming on the show. That's definitely confirmed. So she we'll is amazing. She yes, is yes. amazing. She's a firebrand. I've yeah, been following is. her. I like her and, I, and, and Michelle Wu a lot. Yes. They're well, I've never had Michelle Wu on the show. I've met her actually, but... Uh, I saw her at the Mass Dems convention. I went to go see uh, Liz speak. Me and my wife went, and uh, I saw her speak. She's fantastic. I, I, I like following Boston politics. Yeah, but yeah. Julia has come on several times, and uh, we love her. She's a fire plug and amazing person to be around. So we're excited about that. Um, again, we, we're trying to get some kind of phone number set up over here. Eventually, we will. But hang tight with us. We're, we're like a work in progress right now. A lot more to come over here. If you want to support us, midnightmass.substack.com. Make sure you subscribe. Put your email in there. There's two different membership options. One is free. So you definitely do the free no matter what. Put your email in there. And if you have a little money and you want to support us, get us to the next level. Help us get our phone line. You can do the premium. I think it's $5 a month. Yeah, $5 a month on midnightmass.substack.com. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, you can also send us money if you just want to send us money directly. Uh, we also have Venmo and the Cash App on Venmo. It's uh, Mike Crawford TYJ on Venmo. Mike Crawford TYJ if you want to send us money that way as well. Again, we're the Young Jerks. My name is Mike Crawford. I'm the host. We're with John Nathan. He's smoking some good THC right now, and that's what I need. So we're going to say goodbye, and we're going to say thank you, John Nathan. 
Thank you to all our listeners and supporters and people who are commenting and listening live right now on the Facebook. Uh, you, you've been keeping us going. Our supporters have definitely been keeping us going in the, in the uh, community here. And we plan to bring much more to you. If you have something you want us to cover, hit us up. You know how to reach us. We're always looking for tips and advice, feedback. That's what our phone calls were about, you know? So now that we're missing us, missing those, you can, you can hit us up on Facebook in your usual places. Again, I want to thank you so much, John, for coming on the show today. Mike. And again, I want to ask you if uh, you have anything that comes up politically or anything you want to promote, any movements, just hit us up. We'd love to have you on the show. You're, Appreciate you're that. always good to have on the show. I can you you. I like the information you provide and and the, you, your you. spirit. You know. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. So we'll talk soon. We'll Absolutely. see you on the uh, Facebook. And it was good to finally get to meet you like one on one here. Absolutely, man. Hopefully next time. I don't know when it's gonna be. Six months, a year, two years. We get to <laughs> get together and smoke. Maybe we'll smoke. Eat, you know, we'll each have our own. We won't pass it around. There but, you go. We could do that. But yeah. we still gotta. We gotta have. We gotta be in the same room at least, Absolutely. or outside, and yeah, the same park or something. Absolutely, right? man. We'll see. We'll see each other soon. And uh, thanks. Thanks again so much for doing this tonight. Thank you, man. Thank Bye-bye. you, John. Bye now. Hi, it's Mike Crawford of The Young Jerks. I want to thank you for listening, subscribing to The Young Jerks podcast, and also recommend that if you would like to support us with a financial contribution, that you do so through the Anchor app or through midnightmass.substack.com, become a paying subscriber. Or if you'd like to just send us a donation, you could do so through Venmo. It's Mike Crawford, TYJ on Venmo. Thank you very much. And uh, also, if you could rate and review us on iTunes, it is much appreciated. Thank you.